Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate the vineyard in Delaware County, and uh, I am so glad that I was invited back uh, because when I come here, I feel kind of like it's, it's home, and I feel like family, you know? And uh, I wanna, so I want to catch you up on, on what's going on in my life and in France's life, our life together. Um, and, and after all that talk about faithfulness, it's, it's really hard for me to tell you this, but I'm quitting. <laughs> Actually, this is my last year at the Vineyard in Florence, Kentucky. I don't know what God has next for us, but we've been there for 28 years. I was converted in 76. I planted the church in 88. Danny's always trying to make me older. And, and so uh, 76 was our conversion at the, yes, the original Vineyard in Los Angeles. And it's really been a sad and exciting time. And uh, so we have, the good news is we've found a replacement for the church in Florence. It's Michael Hansen. That's a vote of confidence, Michael, right there. That's right. Okay, just kidding. But I, I did want to say that we have gotten a replacement, and it's a, it's a guy that I'm really excited about. So um, some of you guys knew we were looking, and, and you know, the thing that happened uh, after we announced we were leaving last January, actually, is it, about a month ago, they had a retirement party for me. You know, and uh, some people that were really thoughtful got friends and neighbors and not, not neighbors, but just colleagues from years past and so forth together. And we had a big blowout party and it was really, really great. And people said such nice things about me. I felt like I was at my own funeral. <laughs> you know, when people say that many nice things about you, you think, am I dead? You know, and so I, I just couldn't resist this, guys. Now, you kind of have to forgive me. Uh, I couldn't resist showing this old grainy uh, video to you because it, it kind of describes something I want to express to people. I'm not dead, so take a look at this. Bring out your dead! 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 I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your nine foot. I'm not dead. Here. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. He isn't? Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. Oh, I can't take him like that. It's against regulations. I don't want to go with the car. Oh, don't be such a baby. <laughs> I can't take him. I feel fine. Well, do us a favour. I can't. Well, can you hang around a couple of minutes? He won't be long. No, I've got to go to Robinson's. I've lost nine today. Well, when's your next run? Thursday. You think I'll go for a walk? You're not fooling anyone, you know. Look, isn't there something you can do? I feel happy. I feel happy. <laughs> 
Oh, thanks very much. Oh, all. See you on Thursday. Right. That's me. I'm not dead yet. Neither is Danny. He looks... But we still, we got a little stuff to do yet. I mean, there's lots of stuff going on. It's not what I, I didn't come here to talk about my retirement. In fact, I didn't come here to talk about me at all. I came here to talk about a heart of power. That's the the topic that we'll be discussing in the next few days together. And I want to start with kind of a, a story because this happened way back in 88. That's when I really planted the church in northern Kentucky, not 76. And uh, we were at a Catholic high school, and our church was 106 people soaking wet with dogs and uh, women who were pregnant, and we counted the babies too. Like, we counted everything in those days to feel good about ourselves. And so I was praying with a group of people at our church, um, and I got two clear words from God, and the words were, love deficit. And I had no idea what that meant until I was driving home in the car after that service that day, that morning. And uh, on the way home, I felt like the Lord, uh, you know, spoke to me. And uh, uh, the Lord said, Barry, love deficits are like financial deficits. Now, in 1988, what the U.S. was going through was deficit spending, and some things never change. But it was all over the headlines. And what the Lord said to me is, like, if the U.S. government continues to spend money, continues to spend more than they bring in, what's going to happen is something catastrophic. And he said, if you continue to try to do ministry with this love deficit that's going on in you, in your church, in the church in the United States of America, it's going to run into problems. It's not sustainable. You cannot do this. And I began to think about that, and of course, the Lord is always right, and that's what I want to talk to us about today. In John, 1 John 4.19, it says exactly the same thing. It says that we love because He first loved us. This is very simple, folks. We can love because God loves and invests us with that love. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. If you walked out right now, you'd have the crux of what I'm going to talk to you about today. Don't walk out. I have embellishments. I have more to say about that. I want you to notice the sequence. God's the initiator. I'm the receiver. Here's what the the truth is. If I know that I am loved beyond the shadow of a doubt... If I know I'm loved beyond my wildest hope or dream, if I know that I'm loved unconditionally by the most powerful being in the universe, I feel secure enough to give you some love. I've got more than enough. But most people, maybe many people in this room, are operating at a deficit. You're trying to sustain whatever you're doing on your own. It's not possible to do that. So it's, again, not a complicated message that I have for you this week, but we're not going to see God's kingdom come, as the prophetic word was talking about, until we learn how to stand in those waves 
and then we walk to Jesus. Some of you aren't even on the beach. Some of you are way inland. Some of you are caught in religion. Some of you are so new to all of this that you don't yet even know what I'm talking about. But you'll see yourself as we continue this evening and tomorrow evening and Saturday morning. So let's pray. Let's ask God to help us wherever we are. And uh, let me just say this to people who think, heard this stuff about love before, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Reopen your heart. There's something here for you. Because as I say it, there's something here for me. It never, ever runs dry. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks a lot for every person that you're bringing over these days. Thanks for every person here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the angels that surrounded us during worship and were worshiping you too. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who's with us. Lord, would you be our teacher during these days? And would you speak through me? Would you feed us with things that uh, maybe I didn't anticipate and, ever, and we didn't either? for our personal lives and for the lives of the folks that we're supposed to love. And Lord, I am really grateful tonight for the people that love us and the people you've given us to love. And I ask that you'd make us really, really good at this. In Jesus' name, amen. So John gives us the foundational truth that God's love and his heart, actually, this, this heart of power is the launching pad for any legitimate ministry that you want to do and call a Christian. I mean, there are a lot of do-gooders in the world, and I'm glad for them. They're helping people. But if you want to do Christian ministry, this is the only way it really works, the way it's supposed to, because this is the way Jesus did it. And here's the thing about God. The Bible says in 1 John that the famous statement that God is love. If you've read the Bible at all, you've probably seen that. And God is, he, his, he's love itself. It's not that God just shows love. God can't help it. He can't help himself. He has to love because that's who he is. There's no choice in the matter. It's who he wants to be. This is why the author, Brennan Manning, who wrote so many wonderful books on grace and love, this is why he, he calls it the furious love of God. I just find those metaphors compelling. The furious love of God, those adjectives. The furious love of God. Uh, the best songwriter I ever heard was Rich Mullins. Some of you have other songwriters that you love just as much. But Rich wrote a song about that, and he talks about the reckless, raging fury of the love of God. Man, that grabs me. It's the most powerful thing in the universe, the center of reality. Even in his judgment, God loves. That's a whole other seminar. But even in his judgment, you find the love of God being poured out. Here's the second thing. A God who is love actually confirms the Trinity. You may have heard this line of thought before, but I want to go through it very quickly. It confirms that God is three and yet one. And you say, why? Well, because a God say like Allah and this is not an anti-Muslim speech I'm getting ready to make, he can show love, that God, but he can't be love. Because if God is eternal, there has to all... Now, listen. If he's eternal, there has to be another being, somebody to love there, 
for eternity, somebody who was always there. For God to be love, there has to be another one to love. And love is not a solitary thing. It's, there's an object of love. This is why Trinitarian Christianity makes really good sense, even though it's hard to explain. God loves because there's somebody to love, Father, Son, and Spirit. You know, for eternity, they've enjoyed each other. They've, they've communicated and loved each other and been glad to be with each other and enjoyed this deep relational reality that we long for as human beings because we're created in the image of God. Does that make sense? So this relationships thing starts with God. It's the center of reality, and that's why Trinitarianism makes a lot of sense. Augustine and John Edwards and later C.S. Lewis tried to explain the unexplainable. Do you want to hear what they said? They said about the Trinity, it's pretty cool. They, uh, here's what, what uh, the, the general view is. Uh, God has such an incredibly strong self-awareness that he actually looks at himself. In the Gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Greek phrase says, was face to face with God. The Word is Jesus. Are you with me? And so, God's always had an eternal one to love. It's the Son. And then the energy between the Father and the Son, can you guess who that might be? For eternity. It's the Spirit of, the Spirit of God. It's the reckless, raging fury that's been going on in reality forever. It's love. It's relationship. It's the reason we're here. That, that gets my motor running. This is the God that we worship. So the Trinitarian God is love, furious love. In fact, as I said, it's the reason he created. One of the characteristics of love is to expand and include. Love always wants to do it more. Love's never inwardly focused. It's always outwardly focused. So that's why God created other beings. To spread that love around the universe, because that's who he is. It's what he does. Let me read a long quote to you so you don't go to sleep. This is a quote from Clark Pennock, and it really describes it well. I'd like to tell you this in my own words, but I can't say it this well. God creates out of his abundant interpersonal love. It is the expression of his generosity. No outside force compels it. No need drove the decision. God's nature is overflowing, and creation is a fruit of it. God loves relationships, not solitariness. God is pure ecstasy. Each person exists in loving relationship with the other persons, and the joyous fellowship spills over into giving life to the creature. God does not hoard his interpersonal life. He gives it away. The Spirit fosters communion both with God and between His creatures. So this is the tendency of all love to expand. 
Let me give you a, a less lofty example of that. Think of the human family. You know, when my wife was pregnant with our son, Joe, here's a, here's a discussion we actually had because we were just brand new Christians and we said, boy, we love each other so much. Is there enough, is there enough love for a third one? And there was, and there was a, enough love for a fourth one, and there was enough love for a fifth one. And I think we could have gone on and on, but my wife objected. Unlike our neighbors to us down the street who had 20 children. So that's what love does. There's always enough love to include more, more people. And, you know, the, it just desires to expand. The community of the church is, a, is, is what that's about. That's why churches should expand. That's why churches should grow. Sharing the love with other people is what it is about. For God so loved the world, the famous verse goes, that he gave his only begotten son, and so on, and so on, and so on. It was out of love, sacrificial love, that God created, and then when we fell, it's why God redeems. It's all that love pouring out over the world. It's not always a dramatic thing. I mean, I always like to think of my Uncle Chester's house when I think of love. They had nine kids. And they weren't Roman Catholic. They were Baptists. They had nine children, and uh, Uncle Chester's favorite saying was, the more the merrier. And he meant it. I mean, the house was a zoo. Literally. They had animals in there, too. With all these kids. And Aunt Pauline, she, poor thing, she never tried to keep house. That was just a lost cause. I mean, there was stuff piled up all over the place. And there were people, I mean, they had no locks on the doors. And there were people coming in at all hours. And uh, nondescript people, random people. Chester didn't mind. He loved it. It was a big party for him. I don't know if Pauline felt that way, really. But I do know this. Over the course of their marriage, they took three homeless kids in. Homeless meaning their parents were fighting and the kids couldn't stay there anymore and raised them, along with their nine. Don't you want to go to a church like that? Like my Uncle Chester's house? You know, I look at this church and I'm saying, yeah, you guys are on your way to being that. You see, that's the love of God worked out. It's including, it's expanding, it's giving itself away, hand over fist. That, and it all flows from, from God. This is all going to make sense here in a minute, I promise. But you have to start with God. Any good theology starts with God, and God is triune and love expands. And this is the reason that we're here. Our church used to do a lot of stuff in the local mall before they kicked us out. Uh, they kicked us out for the reason that they wanted to make money, because the stuff we did in the mall, we did for free, and the mall figured out they could make money from it, and so they, they, uh, they asked the church to leave. And the church was us. And we used to, to wrap presents at Christmas time for free, and uh, we had one great outreach uh, that I think really expressed the love of God well, and we gave candy and took photos for Easter, and uh, it was just a wonderful way to show God's love in practical ways. So there we were at the mall, and one of our guys 
I think he was a little off-center, to be honest with you. He dressed up in a bunny outfit. He was about six foot three. You know, big floppy ears and everything. Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, I'll do it. And he got these huge bags of candy. I mean, I mean, they were huge. And he was walking around and, and giving it to kids. And it's just because God loves you and showing the kindness of God in a kind of a frivolous, practical way. But that's the way God's love is. It seems frivolous sometimes. It really does. And there he was doing it. Okay, he had, Mr. Bunny had one problem. There were this little group of piranha fish adolescents in the mall. And they travel in groups. Have you ever seen them? They travel in groups, and they came by Mr. Bunny, and they took huge handfuls of candy out of the bag. Yeah, God bless you. You know, God loves you. And then they went off. But they came back. And then when they were coming back the third time, Mr. Bunny had had it. His love was dry. His love was gone. He was done. Love was gone. And he was going to give the little kids, those little piranhas, a lecture about greed. That's what he had planned to do, Mr. Bunny. And here they come, and suddenly God changed his plan in midstream. And here's what Mr. Bunny did. He reached into the bag before the little kids could get there, and he began to stuff candy in their jacket pockets and pour it out on them. He said, God loves you so much. Here it is. And the kids were like, Mr. Bunny's on crack. You know, the kids were like appalled. They were like that. And he's stuffing candy into their pockets and everything. But that's the love of God. It turns greedy little piranha fish like you and I to, to God. Those kids were laughing and joking when they left. You could see things happening. That's the love of God. That's the lofty theology that we've been talking about in practice. It's God hand over fist giving you what you don't deserve, giving me what I don't deserve. It never runs dry. And the Bible says, I know this, this is really hard to believe because it's so against the grain of our nature, and that is that it, the Bible says that this kind of love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, it never fails. It might have temporary setbacks, but it, it never fails. You, you say, okay, that's great, sounds simple. But again, like I said, most of the church is suffering from a love deficit. Even though God's who he is, even though there's these waves coming at us and everything, we're running a love deficit. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. And the church has to learn the difference again and again and again. I mean, we've sung the song, Jesus loves me, this I know so often, so much, that it's become sort of a cliche out there. And, you know, it's hard to shield yourself from your heart becoming hard against the real thing. It's different to know about God than it is to know God. It's different to say, I know in my brain God loves me, and to live in that place, and to have those deficits filled. There's reasons for that. We're going to get to them, but that's a very common idea. I don't wish it on anybody in this room, but when I look in the mirror in the morning, I'm that guy very often. 
I've been doing this for decades. I've been talking about this for decades. So I know you have your moments too. Not quite sure. You know the talk. You know what to say. Yeah, God loves me. But you're not really experiencing the love of God. It's an experiential relational thing. Or it's, it's kind of flat. I don't mean you have to have ecstatic experiences every other day or something like that, but it's a place where you live. John the Apostle, he reminds us that we love because he first loved us. That's where we started tonight. But what does that mean anyway? If you read 1 John, you can see how this fits together. And some would limit that statement to mean that when we see the love of Christ as he dies on the cross for us, that we have a duty to love each other. Others would say, well, yeah, that's right. We have a duty to love each other. And let me tell you how long duty lasts. How long can you sustain that? Other people say, well, it's a moral influence. I see Christ's blood poured out on the cross for me. I sing these songs about it. I cry. And then a week later or a day later, you, you, it's gone. It's just not sustainable to do that. Moral influence only can last a while because it's not sustainable. It comes from you. And it comes from me. We have to figure out a way to stay in the wave, to stay in that place, to be caught up into that Trinitarian love like some of you were when we worshiped God a moment ago. You were caught up into that Trinitarian love. How do you stay there? I'm not necessarily talking about the experience, but I'm talking about the knowing that you're right there on your worst day and on your best day. Wouldn't it be cool to know how to do that? John's getting at something really deeper here. He's getting at something relational and experiential uh, when he says no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I don't have time to unpack that whole verse, but notice the, the point where it says God lives in us. Nobody's seen God, but God lives in us. How do we know? Because we actually, his love begins to come out. And that's what it means by becomes complete, fulfilled in us. And then other people see the love of God in you. That's walking out on the water. That's the part we want to get to. So God's love is inside of us. It's working its way out. We're caught up into the Trinity when that happens, where this furious love of God is going on 24-7 all the time. We're connected to it. And so we're not so insecure that we can't give it away. In fact, it's overflowing from us. It's experiential precisely because it's relational. If God the Son, God the Father, and God the Spirit have relationship and they catch you up into it, it has to be relational. It's not a theory. It's not theology. I mean, it is theology, but it's, it's, it's not something that's abstract. It's something that actually happens you know, we glibly talk about a personal relationship with God, but what are we saying? This is where the church needs to come. 
because this is where we're going to release power that's incredible. This is the heart of power. It's remaining in this, this thing, this Trinitarian love, this furious, incredible love of God and, and knowing you belong there and nothing can ever jerk you out of that place. What kind of power would come through your life if you actually believed that? Now, some people could take this as kind of a pep talk, but this is what the New Testament teaches. And the New Testament is not a pep talk. It's a description of reality. It's whether or not we accept that reality that makes a difference. This produces deep worship and acts of even martyrdom. It's where it comes from. This means being filled with the Spirit has to move beyond power encounter. Everybody wants to shake and fall down. If you don't know what I'm talking about there, in the Pentecostal and the Charismatic Church, one of the, you know, when phenomena happen, that's kind of the end of the line for people. You know, God touched me. What does that mean? Well, I shook and I fell down, and I felt electricity go through me, and that was really cool. Anybody ever heard this before? So we make that the end of the line. It's not the end of the line. This is what we're talking about is beyond power encounter. I love power encounter. Don't get me wrong. But this is beyond power encounter. That's what we need. That's where we need to go. It confirms the experience of many in church history who connect this filling of God's spirit with love. I mean, the old guys used to all, all know what it was. This is what they were talking about. It's how they described the filling of the Spirit. I want you to listen to Charles Finney. If you've not heard of him, he was a big revivalist. And gosh, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people came into relationship with Christ because of Charles Finney. And he wrote a lot of books on revival. But this is, this is something that happened to him. Listen to this. This is cool. As I turned, Finney's writing, and I was about to take my seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost. Without expecting it, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through my body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, like the very breath of God. It seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love, and I bellowed out, the unutterable gushings of my heart. These waves came over me and over me and over me, one after the other, until I recollect, I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. Lord, I can't bear anymore. That's what the prophecy was about. About waves and waves of love. Finney went on to become, as I said, one of the great revivalists in church history, D.L. Moody, the evangelist and founder of Moody Bible Institute. Do you guys like these quotes? Is this okay? Okay. All right. Uh, here's what Moody said. One day in the city of New York, oh, what a day, I can't describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me, and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. Stop it. 
I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truth, and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience. If you should give me all the world, it would be small dust in the balance. Now, these are famous people, but lest you think this is not a common experience, this is not something that's part of your inheritance, and I don't mean the ecstasy necessary. It comes differently for everybody, but here's what I'm saying to you. I have a friend who was a mailman. Now, how mundane can you get? I'm glad for mailman, but the post office is going out of business. That's unfortunate. His name was Greg Hansen. I think he's your brother, maybe. Greg Hansen. And Greg Hansen, I came back to northern Kentucky from California, and I started telling him about the Holy Spirit. And he went from meeting to meeting trying to get filled with the Holy Spirit. None of it worked. So he was at the uh, sorting mail. I don't know how they do it now, but then they sorted it out into little cubby holes or whatever. And Greg was in there doing that, and he told me that he felt like somebody broke a jar of molasses that was hot and poured it over his head. And I said, what did it feel like? He said, liquid love. I don't know if you'd ever read that quote that I just read you. Liquid love. Does it have to feel that way? No. This is what he experienced. And then he started speaking in tongues. The unutterable gushings of his heart came out when his boss walked in. <laughs> and then promptly turned on his heel and walked back out because he had no idea what to say. Greg went on to be a great elder and servant in the church. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But man, was his ministry hot after that because he began to discover not how to have an experience every day, but he began to discover what was necessary for him to do what he had to do. For, uh, and and to, to take uh, what God had given him and go where he needed to go. And he helped build two church buildings, and he was an accountant, and he was just a great guy. So this is deeper. This is beyond power encounter. It's personal. It has to be personal because it's God. So... I want everybody to understand the, something about the cross. Maybe you already knew it, just in case. Uh, there are a lot of people in the church, the evangelical church, that think that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins so we could go to heaven. I'm so glad that's true, by the way. But it's not just about that. The reason Jesus poured out his love on the cross in a, sacri in the cross in a sacrificial way is so he could open the door for us to have a relationship with God. That's what God wants. Remember we talked about the Trinity and we talked about love just wants to expand. It wants to include. God wanted to include you. He didn't just want to give you a ticket to heaven. He wants relationship now. That's what the cross was about, and that's what sacrificial love always does. And the cross is just the focal point of our understanding of it. That's why he poured out his life, 
so we could get caught up into Trinitarian love, so we could live there and give it away hand over fist to everybody we ever met. That's what it's about. You know, uh, this whole idea that this is beyond power encounter, I don't want to belabor the point, but I, you know, I began to see this story about the woman who came up to Jesus, you know, and uh, if you don't know the story, you can read about it in the Gospel of Matthew. Let me check the address here. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew, or Mark 5, 21 through 34, if you want to mark the reference. It's also in the other synoptics. This is a, a woman who had been an outcast in society because she had an issue of blood. And if you, if you had that going on physically, it, you know, you couldn't go into the temple and worship. You were, you were unclean. And so Jesus was walking down the road on the way to another appointment. And this woman snuck up in. She said to herself, if I just touch his robe, man, I'm going to be well. And so she did the thing, and she slinked in among the crowd, and she just touched his robe, and immediately she knew she was healed. I don't know how she knew, but she, she was healed. But Jesus didn't let her slink away, did he? If you know the story, you know what happened. He stops, and he said, somebody touched me, and his disciples said, really? 300 people around you, you know? Somebody touched me. And he said, no, I felt power go out from me. So the woman had to own up, and there she was, which is what God wants. He had that woman face to face. It was more than a power encounter that she needed. She needed to know that she was okay now. She needed to know she was accepted now, that God wasn't ashamed of her. God wasn't ashamed of her condition. He's not ashamed of me. He's not ashamed of you. Jesus wants to look you right in the eye. He doesn't just want to disperse power to you. He wants relationship with you. And he wants you to know you've been accepted, just like her. And as I saw that unfold in the story, I began to to weep because that was me. I wanted power. I wanted to be effective for God. But God wanted to look me in the eye and say, Barry, I'm not ashamed of you. I know you don't think too much of yourself, but you're not unclean. You can hang around with me. You're okay. Some of you need to hear Jesus say that to you because that's what he wants. He wants relationship. He wants you. And it's the look in the eye that he wants. God's calling us beyond this power encounter thing, as cool as it is, as wonderful and necessary as it is. He's calling us to drop our shame, face him. He's calling us to full restoration as his children to full reception of his love. I'm not there yet. How about you? Some of you are just new to this. Some of you are saying, hmm, it's been a long journey. So how do you know, know if you have a love deficit? Can I give you some ways to know so you can figure out where you stand this evening before we get further into our stuff together? Um, here's some indicators I work hard for God's approval. Is that you? You have a good day? Yeah, God's mad at me today. 
and that's a good day. You have a bad day, and God, he's really mad at you. I work hard for your approval, because the love deficit is not just about something between you and God. It's something, you need the approval somewhere, and so, you know, you do stuff. Please your friends. You give in to peer pressure, or you join the crowd at the off. I don't know what you do, but you, you're winning other people's approval. I compare myself to others, judging myself as either superior or inferior. Your life's a whole comparison game. It's like you're taking your cues from other people and, and judging yourself. My devotional life is hard duty. You grit your teeth and have your quiet time. I don't feel like doing this, but I know I'm supposed to do it, so I'm doing it. Well, that's better than not doing it, probably. Or maybe not. It's hard duty. You don't look forward to prayer. Here's where I've gotten to in my life. I can't live without prayer. I mean, I, I'm not dancing before God every day saying, you know, everything's wonderful. But look, if I miss a day, it, I mean, it, it kills. I've got to be with God. I've got to pray. I experience little freedom from besetting sins or addictions. In other words, you're just medicating the pain of all this, this deficit. Whatever your addiction is, whether it's uh, TV or drugs or take your pick food. I know you're not supposed to mention food in North America. But it's, it's a true, true thing, isn't it? I take circumstantial difficulties as indicators that God's not pleased with me. Things are going bad. Where did I screw up? What? What? If any of these things, and I could add more to the list, if any of these things speak to you this evening, you're running some kind of a love deficit somewhere. And being aware of it is just the first step in learning how to stand in the wave. Awareness is a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. All these things and more paralyze us in ministry. Dallas Willard puts it this way in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He says, most of the difficulties we face come down to the problem of not being properly loved. Think about the, how pregnant that quote is. Most of the difficulties I experience in my life come down to not being properly loved. And this is why I know this is a relevant talk to many people in this room. Even though you've been following Christ for decades, nobody in this room was properly loved. Even if you had great parents, you had a great situation, there's only one that can love you perfectly. And he's the one we just worshiped. This is the Lord. This is what he wants for you. It's what he wants for me. Believe me, I'm preaching in the mirror this evening. Just because I'm up here on a stage doesn't mean I'm any different than you. I've got a love deficit. And God wants to fill it. You've got a love deficit. And God wants to fill it with himself.
we have a foundation now for what we need to talk about. And I'm so glad we got to have this start together, even though it was elementary for some. This is the premise. This is the platform from which we will be developing everything else that I have to say this evening. God will go to incredible lengths to win us into, to catch us up into his Trinitarian love. I was in Eastern Europe with a group, and uh, we were doing, I was doing a Kingdom of God talk or something, a healing talk or something in Eastern Europe with a team of people, and uh, during the time that we're going to have in just a moment some ministry, um, praying for one another, asking God to come, some of you are feeling the love of God right now, beginning to permeate your heart. Sorry to interrupt myself. Let that come. Let that happen. I don't care if you listen to what I say. Let that happen. Okay, back to the story. And we were praying, and suddenly I heard a bunch of cheering and jumping up and down at the other side of the little room we were in. And so I went over and, and got, the, got this, the story. I got the lowdown on it. And one of our, 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 the women on our prayer team that was with us was praying for a, a lady from Iceland. And uh, the lady from Iceland was about five foot tall, maybe. And, and, you know, just to look at her, she looked like a little granite rock. And what she responded to was a word of knowledge. Like somebody, like this is kind of general, but he said, that someone said, somebody here is not able to experience the love of God, and she stood up. That's me, you know. She didn't have a word of English. And so everything was translated into Norwegian, which she did understand, and we, our group prayed for her. And suddenly a group, a group member named Mary Ann had her hand on her, and uh, the Lord said, sing to her. sing to her. And so Marianne didn't know what to do, so she began singing in the Spirit. She began singing in tongues, the gift of tongues, and she sang this little tune, and the woman, the, the rock, just broke and started to weep. And, you know, not that weeping is always the, the magic pill or something, but in this case, it broke. Her heart was breaking. She was crying like a baby. This miss, No emotion, you know, miss granite rock was crying like a baby and, and uh, she just melted and the love of God was all over her. It was permeating her at last and uh, Marianne got the story afterwards. Apparently Marianne had been singing a nursery rhyme that somebody sang to her as a little girl in Iceland. Did you hear what I said? I've told this story all over the world. I, I still can't believe it myself. But Mary Ann was singing in another language that she didn't understand. That's how far God will go. Because that's what he wanted for that woman. And do you realize the testimony that she has? Do you realize the power that's going to be released in her life? I don't know what happened to her, but my assumption is that she didn't keep that quiet. She went for it, I bet. 
God wants to reach you. Maybe it won't be that dramatic. Oh, please don't hear me. You have to have some kind of, you know, levitation this evening or something like that. I mean, I hope I, that'd be cool. I'd take a picture. I've got my cell phone if that happened. But, but, but what it does mean is that whether, you know, this is old news to you or not, God wants to permeate your heart. He wants to fill the love deficit that you may be experiencing tonight, and he wants to do it every night that we come together. To those of you who are feeling the love of God, let it keep happening. You missed a good story. God's breaking through barriers. And he doesn't want you to be stuck in the entryway of his house. Just glad that you're not going to hell. Sitting there, freezing, you're in the entryway. And he's in the living room with his roaring fire, having a cup of tea. That's where he wants you to come. Let's stand up. Hey, Michael, you're not really leaving. I know that. Would you come up here? Hey, that was a pretty short talk for a seminar thing, wasn't it? Let's open our, our, our hearts to that which I was talking about, especially those of you who were uh, beginning to actually experience God's presence in a, in a really new way, maybe, or a, a way that you haven't in a long time, I believe that God is going to surprise some of you. Uh, especially those of, I've been in this situation before, it doesn't work for me. And uh, so what I would like you to do this evening is Michael, Michael's going to play a song maybe uh, that we, we sang today, whatever's good, Michael. Uh, and uh, I, I don't necessarily want you to sing. I just want you to be with God. And, and then we'll do, some, we'll do some ministry. Does that sound right? You don't have to stand up the whole time if you don't want.
you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide cause you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good interesting. Barry uh, told me that he felt like God was speaking to me about something during worship that was for you guys. And I went, hmm, I didn't really hear God speaking, but I'll tell you what I, I was experiencing. I was, I was experiencing that love, that love of God, you know, that liquid love he was talking about. And all through worship, I kept just having a sense of God's love just pouring over me. And so I, as I was praying about it, I felt like God said, there are several here that need a good dose of my love tonight. And so if that's you, I just want to invite you to come forward just as a step of faith to say, yes, I need that touch of love from you tonight. And we're just going to pray for you. So go ahead and become, begin coming forward if you feel like you need to be touched, a good dose of love. From God tonight. Did you have a word, Dan? 
You know, just tied into that, tied into what Barry shared tonight, which just, it, it gripped me, is, I think in a perfect world, before the fall, what God intended is that that children would have a, would be formed, they'd have a, they'd be conditioned by the, the, the love of the father and the love of the mother, both together giving a reflection of, of God's love. But we don't live in a perfect world, and there's so many people who experience what Barry was talking about, that love deficit. They, they have a hard time receiving, have a hard time knowing what to do with God's love because they, they haven't been formed in a, in a home where they, none of us have, where we see even a decent reflection of a father's blessing. That, that care and the, the acceptance of, of the mother's love as well. And, and, and because of that, we sort of, we lurk around the edge of God's kingdom. You know, we sort of, you know, we, we, we peek in the windows. You know, we stand in the foyer, but we never come in. Like, I love what Barry shared about, you know, standing aside, but never coming by the fire where the, where the father is. And, and I believe what, in addition to what Penny was saying, and maybe part and parcel of it is that there are those who who've just had that difficulty in receiving and may have not even come forward but you recognize there has not been that that formation in you because of the just the 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 deficit of of seeing of knowing of have any semblance of a father who can love, of a home or, and, a, and a mother's uh, love and, and that comfort that one receives. And, and because of that, you've, you've sort of accepted staying on the edge. You're glad you're, you're in the house. You're glad you're in the family. It's okay with you not to feel anything. That's all right. You're, you're okay with that, but you don't have to be. And I believe tonight what God wants to do is, is bring, not to reparent you, you can't get reparented, but he can touch you tonight, that he can begin to form by his spirit what hasn't been formed, that container to receive his love. Does that make sense to you? So in addition to those who, who've come forward, those of you who know you've, you've stand on the edge, those who haven't been formed to, to receive, haven't been, been framed in your heart to, to believe that God has it for you, come on forward as well. And Michael, could we sing that song a little longer? I think the Lord wants to minister to us through this song about his Father's love just being poured over you. But let me just say a quick prayer. I'm going to invite the Spirit just to come and begin to pour his love out. Just open your hearts. If you want to open your hands just to receive, go ahead. And anybody else that wants to get in on this, come forward. And we're going to pray. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. He's already here, but we're going to invite him to come with his manifest power, his manifest love. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Pour your love out. Come, Holy Spirit. Pour your love out. Let it come. Just receive what he's doing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come.
we need some people to come pray up here for these folks. You don't need to say much. Just allow the Holy Spirit to come. Bless what he's doing. Love so undeniable I, I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I, I can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love 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 you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. I've seen many. And I've seen many searching for answers far and wide. But I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide. Because you know just what we before we say a word, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You're perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You. Good. 
singing that I had a picture and and Barry mentioned it in his teaching as well and the whole thing of because of that love deficit because you've not received the love of the father in the right way just that whole thing of performance and I just know in my own life as well God is I'm in a season where God is breaking off performance I can't come to him and earn his love I can't come to him and do anything to have him love me more and so I just feel like there's some here tonight that that's how you automatically respond. You feel like you have to earn God's love. And, and when you get it right, then you can come in. And I just feel him inviting some of us tonight to respond to that, that he just wants to break off performance so that you can receive just unconditional love from him. So if that's you, if you want to just come forward for prayer and, and respond to that word, if that's you, just want to invite you and, and find somebody and ask them to pray for you specifically for that. I think the Lord wants, you, wants everybody to know he's, he's kind of just getting started. Uh, you're ready to go home, but he's just getting started here. And, and he, I think he wants to do healing, physical healing. It's a manifestation of his love. And I think um, if, you're, if you're having a problem in your right hip, I think uh, there may be several people who are dealing with a right hip issue, a deterioration of the joint, something along those lines. We'd love to pray for you. Somebody else has a blood disorder here tonight that uh, the doctors really quite haven't figured out yet, but you know, it's certainly a blood disorder. That's something they know. I think God wants to touch you tonight if you're here. Um, also, headaches. I mean, I, I know it's a general thing, but I think uh, migraine, migraine headaches, something you know that are, are, are recurrent. Uh, come up this way. Can you, let us pray with you about those things. Let's see. Let's see what what happens. Okay. Let's see what God does. He loves to heal people. Uh, it's it's a way he communicates his love. Also, if if you're a tough guy. And that's man or woman. And you don't go for this emotional stuff. And you wouldn't dream of walking up in front of a room and be vulnerable and let God love you. Consider this God's voice speaking to you. That's something that needs to be broken in your life. I know about this personally don't have to be a, a man. It could be a woman. You're like that woman from Iceland. And God wants to make a, take a run at you tonight, okay? So you, you come up too. Um, any other words about healing? France, anything going on? Dan? Anybody? All right, so come this way if we can pray for you for those healing things or any of those other kinds of things. We'd be happy to do that.